podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from FantasyFootballScout.co.uk. My name is David and today we're going to have a look at my FPL team, how it got on in game week two and some of the issues that I'm thinking about solving for game week three. I've got myself two free transfers like many others and there's lots of potential fires that need extinguishing. So lots to talk about and also I'm going to be having a look at some of the tables in the members area that help inform some of those decisions for my, for my team on a week to week basis. So I'll be sharing those uh, with you guys. Of course, uh, a reminder that if you want full access to those uh, the fantasy football scout uh, membership is what's going to help you get that and you can still save some money on those pre-season prices so make sure you sort that out before the game week three deadline we're back to a usual friday night deadline time of 6 30 this time so you've got an extra 15 minutes to use it wisely but yes my game week two team how did it get on well of course uh, like many of you will know i was one of those who decided to give the salah captaincy in game week two a bit of a go and i have to say i feel a little bit fortunate in the way that it did it did technically work, even if it wasn't necessarily uh, as explosive as I would like. Uh, just the five points for Salah, because of course he did score, but he did miss that penalty as well, which is his third missed penalty in the last six months, which does uh, make me a little bit nervous about what it means for him uh, going forward. Uh, but uh, certainly the fact that Haaland only got two points against Newcastle um, has has bailed me out in many ways. When the, the full-time whistle went at Anfield uh, on Saturday, I was very very nervous that things the game was going to end very badly for me uh, wasn't actually able to watch the uh, the Man City game on Saturday night and all I was able to do in the end was just check in on the score at full time and uh, yeah was 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 pleasantly uh, relieved so uh, that that all helped uh, so not in necessarily a big way but that helped uh, certainly uh, push up about 100k places so I'm 366,000 after two game weeks which I'm quite happy with to be honest because we're all very concertinaed all close together at the start of the campaign you know you're never more than about two or three points off uh, a different um, rank bracket of uh, hundred thousands uh, and so you know being 366,000 at this stage, I'm pretty happy with. Another couple of good game weeks, and I'd like to find myself maybe in the top 100k by about four, game week four or five. That's kind of my aim, and then to keep pushing on from from there. But yeah, things are things are still going relatively well, which is which is nice. Uh, I'll run through the team for the benefit of the podcast listeners outside of that that Salah captaincy. So Turner in goal, uh, Cash, Stupinan, Chilwell is the back three. Rashford and Bermo, Diaby, Salah and Saka is the midfield, and then Pedro and Haaland uh, as the strikers. So yeah, 56 points in total. There were some things in the team that could have gone better. There were some things in the team that I'm quite happy with how they came off. Now, the biggest decision that I had going into game week two, the one that was the hardest one, I think, to make in the end was Turner versus Flecken. And it, and I obviously have got this one wrong uh, because Flecken did keep a clean sheet against Fulham. Uh, so six points there. Turner actually had a good game against Sheffield United. And arguably, you could say that the goal uh, that Sheffield United scored, you know, was nobody would have stopped it. Um, but I think I still feel like I was maybe punished for not putting full faith in Flecken after bigging him up so much throughout the summer and of course Brentford defence as well Fulham in the way that they played against Everton where they just had two shots on target I realise in hindsight um, but but it's not even hindsight because I knew this <laughs> before the game with two deadline Fulham had two shots on target against Everton in game week one you know, that should have been enough to tell me uh, that, that Brentford were more than capable of keeping a clean sheet there and of course Brentford defence uh, in the time that we've been investing in them from an FPL perspective has just been more reliable than the Forest one and so I, so I accept that was a mistake I really realize what I've done wrong now I've just not put enough faith uh, in something that I had been bigging up uh, over the summer and going into game at one as well uh, and so I, I think 
probably most weeks I'm going to be starting Fleck and we'll have a look at the fixtures um, in a minute. Um, there's there's not going to be too many times when I feel like I don't want to start Flecken anymore, uh, if I'm honest, after what's happened uh, this weekend. So a bit frustrated there, but it's only cost me four points. And at this stage of the season, losing four points is not the end of the world because you can easily make them up at another stage. And as I said, we're all concertinaed close together. Um, and so you only need a couple of extra points swing. In the other direction on next game weekend, you can maybe climb 50k places at this particular point in time and so if there's anybody out there who's, who's chosen the wrong goalie this week you know I, there can't have been too many people that, that chose the wrong goalie and the substitute goalie got ridiculous amounts of points unless it was Ariola. <laughs> but but the point is with some of these 50 50s it's um you know you've really got to feel out your decision making process and you know um whilst it was a mistake to bench Flecken you know uh, maybe I just didn't I hadn't seen enough of Brentford's defense with him in as well um so I, I'm going to be kind to myself I'm not going to beat myself up too much about that one uh, it hasn't cost me uh, all that much in the grand scheme of things and I'd encourage other people to feel the same way if they've done that with their goalkeeper now the other decision that I had to make was of course what to do with Gabrielle and I'm happy with uh, the decision I came here although I did actually also get something else wrong which we'll come on to in a minute um Gabrielle uh, a lot of people were thinking about selling him some people were thinking oh, I'll start him just in case uh, he does play because, you know, clean sheet against Crystal Palace, you wouldn't be too shocked if one happened there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I wasn't interested in that. I, I felt he was too much of a risk. I I famously, in a lot of podcasts last week, said, I think uh, Palace will score. And, of course, they didn't. Uh, so apologies to everybody who uh, decided to to go with my, my view there. I mean, I'm not necessarily incredibly shocked that Arsenal kept a clean sheet because of course they are a good side I just felt that it wasn't probable um, but I was still wrong I was still wrong hold my hands up and say I was wrong Arsenal got the clean sheet so well done to anybody who had uh, Saliba or anyone else in the Arsenal first pass or Ramsdale or something but Gabriel was still benching Gabriel I still think was the right decision because of course he didn't start the game only came on for that one point cameo and so had I started him over Cash who I felt had a better chance of a clean sheet and considerably better chance of starting then you know that really would have been um, a mistake I probably would have been annoyed with myself about because I did really really believe that Villa had a higher chance of a clean sheet and obviously they kept one which is good and then Cash got me six points and Gabriel got me just the one on my bench so I'm, I'm happy with how that decision uh, transpired. It's stupid and continues to just be an absolute auto pick he just looks absolutely on fire um, in terms of offensive potential goal assists uh, all that um, and at some point Brighton will keep a clean sheet I'm sure and then his, his score is going to be uh, even higher uh, Chilwell at Chelsea I mean I think the West Ham result shows that there is still a little bit of work to do at Chelsea so I'm glad that results happened because I think it will probably um, temper my enthusiasm for my free transfers this week because as I said at the top I, I rolled my transfers so I've got two free transfers for game week three and what I do with them I had initially been thinking yep let's rip the team up let's get involved in Spurs and Chelsea and I'm a bit less inclined to do that now uh, which actually I think and I'll talk about that in a minute might might be beneficial so then in the midfield and Burmo is obviously uh, the uh, the centerpiece of uh, of that midfield with 16 points uh, Diaby, Saka and Rashford all blanked but I'm not too worried about Diaby and Saka and I'll show you my bus team in a minute Rashford is potentially on the chopping block uh, but I may give him one more week against Nottingham Forest because I think it's quite a nice fixture uh, as for what to do with Salah yeah I will admit that what I've seen of him so far I feel like he is a little bit short of being able to get the points that I wanted from him, but not in a way where I feel like he's not playing well enough to get that. So I think I will probably hold him for a little while as well and take things uh, easy. Uh, Jao Pedro, he's been talked about a lot, of course, because he didn't start uh, game week two, came on and got booked. So zero points for him. 
But I do sort of suspect that because there's a lot of rotation going on at Brighton, maybe you could argue that he's had his rest and that maybe he's going to come back into the squad for game week three if De Zerbi is, is interested in, in constantly uh, tinkering that team, which we have seen him do uh, in the past. So I'm not too worried there. And so for that reason, I will put my current bus team on the screen and I'll read that off for the benefit of the podcast listeners. So Flecken back in goal against Crystal Palace. Cash, Estupin and Chilwell, still the back three. Rashford and Burmo, Diaby, Salah, Saka as the midfield five. Jao Pedro and Haaland up front. Uh, Turner back on the bench away at Man United seems sensible. Then Anderson as my first sub. Um, then Gabriel uh, as the second sub and Archer as the third sub. So that's what it's looking like at the moment. So I haven't made any transfers yet. I don't want to make any transfers until much later in the week when I've had a real chance to think about all of the things I could do. And so I'm just going to list off a couple of those ideas that I've been having uh, at the moment. So the first one, of course, is uh, could potentially sell Gabriel. He's now gone down to 4.9. So my options there are limited. But when I look at the three defenders that I've got in my team um, for game week three, very happy starting cash away at Burnley. Uh, very happy, obviously, starting a Stupinan at home to West Ham and Chilwell at home to Luton. So there's not an immediate rush for me to go out and get myself uh, a defender at the same price point as Gabriel. Uh, for now, I may have a look at potentially getting Rico Henry um, because, you know, he's looking very good. Brentford defence, obviously, I'm interested in it because I've got Flecken. And having the opportunity to sometimes, not always, double up on that defence could be quite useful and could he could factor into a nice little rotation with Cash, Anderson um, and then and then Henry. That's something that I'm thinking about uh, because I, I feel like in Chilwell and Estupinan, I've got... I've got my two more expensive defenders that I need. I'm not interested in a third premium. I would rather than my third defender was was a budget option so I could rotate. That seems to be working uh, so far. I've only had two game weeks, of course, and Gabriel didn't get me anything. Well, he got me one point in game week one. But already that rotation of, okay, don't fancy my, my Arsenal defender this week, uh, so I'll bring in my Aston Villa one. It's paid off already. He's got six points. So I'm, I'm happy with the rotation. It's, it's working so far. I'm fingers crossed it will keep working. And, and throwing an additional defender in there, uh, I'm, I'm relatively happy with. Now, the other area of the team that could change, um, as I've said on General's orders uh, yesterday, there was the possibility that what I could do is use both my free transfers to move Rashford to, say, a Madison, um, and then maybe that would allow me to do a Jao Pedro up to a Jackson or something like that. Um, they're things that I have been thinking about. But um, as I've sort of allowed those things to mull over in my mind, a couple of things have popped up. Obviously, there's this uh, potential injury. Uh, well, no, I think it has been reported as an injury to Madison, but what we don't know is the severity of it. So that's at the back of my mind. And so that would even in, in my head sort of uh, count potentially against um, against Richarlison as well, because if Madison's not going to play, then of course Spurs are going to lose a bit of creativity and uh, a bit of service to those forward players. Um, outside of that, Hmm. it's hard to know exactly where to go with the, that particular transfer because I'm seeing a lot of love for Foden but um, I he hasn't delivered yet so I'm not like I'm not saying he's someone I would de- I'm desperate to get to a lot of people are using their Man United midfielder to get to Mbomo but I've already got him so there's no um, stre- stress from me there of course the Brighton midfielders uh, have done well at the start of the season so that's March uh, and Matoma but bearing in mind that I still feel like there's potentially one more week out of Jao Pedro again I'm not in any kind of immediate rush especially as the gap in price between Rashford and those Brighton midfielders even if there's a couple of extra price point rises I can still get to them because what this all comes down to I've already sort of touched on Pedro I think that he he could start against West Ham we'll see what the press conferences say and we'll go from there um, what this all comes down to is is limited resources that I have is is transfers and so even if I think that Matoma 
or a Jackson is going to score more points than Rashford or Pedro this week. Do I think that the gap there is enough? Do I think that the the differential in points, let's say I think Rashford maybe is roughly going to get seven points against Forest, but I think that Matoma is going to get like 12 points against West Ham. You know, is spending a transfer worth buying myself an extra five points um, versus if I hold on to some of my transfers continually and then roll, uh, maybe spend one, and keep rolling that second transfer until such a time that I feel that I've had enough data to actually restructure my team. Because if I'm going to spend lots of transfers in one fell swoop, it's going to involve a lot of changes. Uh, and you know, there's a possibility that maybe I can do that in a more informed way if I just spend one transfer. And so bearing in mind that Gabriel seems to be the one that everyone's getting rid of, I'm not unhappy with Rashford and Jao Pedro starting for game week three for me. Maybe I just use my transfer to um, shore up my bench in terms of what I can do on on defensive rotations from one week to the next, for example. So that that seems, to be honest, like the most likely route I'm going to go down. But, of course, it is going to depend on a few other factors. Need to find out a bit more on João Pedro. um, And I I need to... uh, really have a think about Rashford. I mean, he's not started the season too well, uh, but he would. if I was to move him out after two game weeks, having not seen that much from him that I'm impressed with, uh, he wouldn't be the first player I did that after two game weeks and then punish me game week three and four and five and six. And, and the biggest example of that was the, the Vardy season where he was fantastic. It was the 9-0 season. I had him from the start of the season. He had one shot in the first two matches. So I thought, okay, maybe I've misjudged this in thinking he was worth having from the start of the season. So I got rid of him. And then after that, he immediately started banging. It took me a couple of weeks to erode the stubbornness to uh, to bring him back. And uh, it was after the 9-0 whenever Southampton then I did it. So I know that these players can, can punish me if I, if I make big decisions after two game weeks. So I, I just think a home game against Forrest... Maybe I'm going to give him a go. We're going to have a look at some numbers in a minute. But that's that's in my mind to just still be relatively calm because I don't think my team is bad. Most of the fixtures that my players have are good. And therefore, if I've got players with good fixtures, I don't like to sell them because it's about what I've got um, in terms of what other people have got um, that, that I have to get rid of. You know, if the cost of moving towards a player that everybody else got, has got is to spend a precious transfer on someone who I still think has got a good match this week, I'd much rather use that transfer in an effective way when I get rid of a guy who I'm completely convinced is useless with a terrible fixture to replace him with someone who's in good form and got a good fixture. That is really where I'd like to spend the two transfers if I can. So that's kind of the position that I'm in at the moment. Of course, the captain's armband is very simply going to end back up on Haaland because I think he's got the best fixture this week. But speaking of fixtures, I'm going to stick the fixture ticker on the screen because I always like uh, to uh, to track the season ticker as it progresses through the campaign. And uh, you, you're always going to see teams fluctuate up and down in terms of that fixture difficulty. Uh, and uh, yeah, the top uh, six teams at the moment, Chelsea still top. So yeah, fully appreciate that maybe I, I, sh- I could get involved in a Chelsea uh, asset somewhere especially with Luton and Forrest coming up next. Again, I'll have to have a think about that, um, comparing them with what uh, options I've got available uh, in my team. As I said, if it looks like Pedro is not going to play game week three, then maybe he makes way for a Jackson and then I'm going to have to uh, move Rashford to someone else in order to facilitate that because I do appreciate Chelsea's fixtures are good. Luton and Everton are second and third, but I'm not seeing enough from them in terms of formula to justify a heavy investment. Man City's fixtures also looking nice as well, so it's worth saying that John Stones uh, is on my mind at some point. Uh, I know that he's not going to be around until after the international break. Um, 
but I'm 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 eyeing up his price coming down and thinking, hmm, there's some good fixtures for them coming up. Maybe I'll get him after that international break. Uh, and Spurs as well. They uh, have got some nice fixtures: Bournemouth, Burnley, Sheffield United, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Luton. And then Man United still in the top six here for uh, fixture difficulty. Yeah, they've got Arsenal away next time, and then Brighton at home game week five. So I feel more comfortable selling Rashford for game week four than I do for game week three, especially as it's at home and that's where he gets a lot of his returns. So um, that's still a reminder that of all the uh, sort of uh, attacking players, um, United's fixtures, they're still doing well on the season ticker, which makes it difficult for me to sell them, I think. Uh, Then the teams that uh, uh, have some nastier fixtures, West Ham, Sheffield United and Forest at the bottom three, but Brighton continuing to to plummet down the season ticker. They were a lot higher when they had their two uh, uh, favourable matches in game weeks one and two, uh, of course, uh, as the Newcastle and Man United game uh, and, of course, the Liverpool game in game week eight as well um, becomes closer to the present day. That does suck them down to the bottom of the season ticker. And so... uh, uh, as I said, Pedro may stay this week, but he may have to leave uh, after that point. And it also is another reason why I'm not too fussed about um, breaking my team or spending all of my free transfers to bring in Brighton midfielders in a world where their, their fixtures are going to stiffen up very soon. So let's have just a quick look at some of the uh, the tables that I like to look at uh, in the members area each week uh, to see, uh, you know, just inform some decisions. One of the first things I like to look at is which team is conceding the most big chances so we can identify those whipping boys for when uh, we have uh, captaincy decisions or transfer decisions to make. Uh, Aston Villa are actually still uh, bottom of this table. They're joint bottom with Fulham with nine big chances conceded, but uh, the vast majority of those came in that Newcastle game where they lost uh, Mings in the first half and, of course, they've kept that clean sheet against Everton. So I'm not too concerned about Villa defence moving forward I just think that for a little while their uh, numbers are going to be a bit skewed by that Newcastle game and I'm happy to sort of use that as mitigating circumstances uh, for making some decisions there Uh, Fulham uh, yeah in terms of the games they've played so far they've played against Everton and against Brentford and for them to be bottom of the league or joint bottom of the league for big chances conceded that tells me that is a defence that is going to concede a lot of shots this season Um, some people are a bit nervous about their Arsenal midfielders for example like Saka off the penalties and uh, oh have I got the wrong one don't don't sell your Arsenal midfielders this week, uh, to be honest, because uh, there's a high chance that they're going to get something against this Fulham defence. The Liverpool defence still isn't looking particularly tidy. Eight big chances conceded, so I think that's largely going to keep people uh, away from investing in Trent, but I think we kind of guessed that already. Uh, Everton, uh, Spurs and Wolves all on seven big chances conceded each, and probably the uh, the, t- well, the two more pertinent ones of these are probably Everton and Tottenham, because of course, you know, a lot of Pickford owners out there um, looking at how they start the season uh, conceding that number of big chances against Fulham and Aston Villa you know when they come up against some even bigger teams I think that's going to be quite painful for them so um, yeah Pickford owners may be maybe experiencing a bit of regret at this stage of the season. I think that a, a switch to Flecken, if you can do it at some point, might be worth doing um, just because this Everton defence is, is still giving up lots of opportunities. And then the Spurs one as well, which is not a surprise because we know that this is the way that uh, Postacoglu likes to play, uh, you know, attacking football that is going to give up lots of chances at the other end. So that might come into people's minds when they're thinking about a, a Poro or an Adogi or something like that. Uh, the most creative players so far, um, Mitoma and Foden, are top of the league for key passes so far. And what's interesting about Mitoma is that he wasn't really an assist maker last season. He was more of a goal threat, but he is top of the league for key passes after two games with 20 touches in the penalty box, which is very, very exciting. Uh, we've got Madison, Eze, Estupinan, Gross and Alvarez joint second for eight key passes. So, um, yeah, there are a lot. Of, there's a few players in there who are on my watch list potentially for the future. Uh, Estupinan, top of the league for big chances created. And a little honourable mention for 
for Fernandes, who there wasn't enough room for him to fit onto this. Uh, seven key passes, two big chances created. So he's joint second for big chances created so far. Estupian is the only one to have created more than him. And Fernandes also offering some good XGI as well so far. So if you're nervous about having him in your team, home against Forest, decent stats so far, just hasn't delivered on them so far. Fire Fernandez, I would be holding him. Shots in the box then. Who's been the most persistent shooters so far? Well, we've had Visser and Edouard as the top two, just ahead of Haaland um, there. And so uh, Visser is, is obviously uh, making himself look very attractive at the start of the campaign, just 6.1. And uh, Brentford's fixtures continue to be relatively positive. Uh, perhaps the, uh, the, 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 the two standouts here for decisions that people might need to make this week. Rashford has had seven shots in the box so far. Uh, so he's, he's actually fourth best for this stat. So with that, in mind it makes me feel like I should probably hold him against Forrest when you consider what Forrest were like away from home last season when you consider that Rashford uh, is usually very good at Old Trafford as well it's not for lack of trying that he hasn't got his returns yet seven shots in the box I'm relatively happy with and then of course the other one is Nicholas Jackson he's had six shots in the box so far so that is joint fourth best there's a number of other players who are tied with him for that but you know only so he's joint fifth best there's only four players in the league after two games that have had more shots in the box than him so um, his credentials um don't look bad for game week three, of course, playing Luton. Um, you know, you might have at the back of your mind, you know, there's some unknowns related to him, of course, being new to the Premier League. But he's certainly uh, hit the ground running in terms of attempting to score, which is is important. And having the opportunity to shoot in the box, because sometimes we see new players come to the Premier League and not quite, uh, it doesn't quite bounce right. It doesn't, you can't quite get their feet in such a way they can have an effort on goal. And he's had six so far. So that's, that's worth noting. But in terms of the accuracy, uh, unfortunately, neither Jackson nor uh, Rashford have been able to trouble the, uh, the top echelons for that stat so far so decent number of shots in the box but haven't necessarily been all that accurate um, the most accurate shooter so far or the player with the the highest volume of shots on target so far is Solly March with six uh, we've had Visser and Mbumo both uh, joint second there with five Edward Harland Diaby Mope and Wilson all on four so they're the players that have managed the most shots on target so far um, Diaby obviously in my team I think if you've not got him uh, he's, he's definitely worth having on your watch list at the very least uh, and in terms of Visser and Burmo, I mean, if you're wondering about their sustainability, well, the stats they're recording are very, very good. You know, they're not just getting goals because they're being lucky or anything like that. You know, Visser is one of the top shooters in the box. Um, then between Visser and Burmo, they're both doing very, very well for big chances. Of course, and Burmo on the penalties as well. And only Solly March has more shots on target than the Brentford pair after two game weeks. So they are looking in good shape. Um, all, all of that, of course, uh, is from the members area, the Fantasy Football Scout members area. So if you want to be able to access the tables in a bit more interactivity, then do sign up for the membership. And so you can get full access to that. And you don't have to listen to me extol the benefits of membership anymore. Uh, and so, yeah, make sure you get that sorted for Game Week 3. Extra 15 minutes before the deadline this week. So plenty of time to sort it. But with that, I will leave you fine, folks, for the rest of your tinkering. And I will see you next time. <laughs> 